we doing? Act 2 the podcast, episode 53. We are back in the building. How y'all doing? Because we doing good. How y'all doing? Act 2 the podcast, episode 53. It's your boy, International Walt. And it's your girl, Taj, the co-hostess with the most of Yeah, she back, boss. Two, two in a row. She's back. She's doing <laughs> her thing. I'm back for good. <laughs> she doing her thing. Act 2 the podcast. Don't forget, you can catch us at podcast.com. You can catch us on YouTube, you can catch us on FaceTime, I mean, on Facebook, <laughs> you can catch us um, on Spotify, you can catch us on Google Podcasts, you can catch us on Anchor, you can catch us on Breaker, you can catch us on Radio Public. There you go. All right, then, and you can catch us on all them platforms, and you can catch us on FaceTime, too, for the people out there who know us, y'all can FaceTime us. You know what I'm saying? We Don't FaceTime us. Why would they FaceTime us? FaceTime us for what? I'm talking about just FaceTime and like if people who know you, like phone calls, not like the show type stuff. I'm about to say call us for like an episode. No, 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 okay. no, not like that. No, okay. you took that the wrong way. Yeah, I meant like the people out there who know us, like oh, family, like, hey, who we FaceTime may have a FaceTime with sometime. Okay. That kind of thing. Not like fight. strangers FaceTime. <laughs> Look, because you know they have a FaceTime feature on, um, on Instagram. No, I don't want strangers to FaceTime. Yeah, okay. No, I just meant the people who regularly we FaceTime. We do appreciate the support, FaceTime. though, but yeah. don't FaceTime us. It's crazy. Um, how, how are, are you? you? <laughs> how are you? No, no, no. How are you? Um, I am an emotional roller coaster, but I am okay. Today, I will say I am an... I'm not going to lie, I'm a seven. Seven. What's that, mental? Yes, mental, you know, and, and it's weird. It's, I, I got to look up some side effects of, like, the, like the medication and stuff they gave me because it's just been playing some tricks in my head, but I'm okay. Like, it ain't, I'm not feeling like harming myself or harming anybody. Suicidal or anything. Like, shit like nah, that. not at all. Okay. Just, you know, the reality of having, you know, medical stuff going on at an older age, it just starts to mess with your head but i mean i know i'm gonna be okay but but I, if i if i'm being completely honest i'm probably like a seven which i want you to be nothing wrong with being a seven you can be a seven because eventually you go back up to nine ten yeah so seven it's okay to be a seven yeah back a few episodes ago we used to say it's okay to not be okay yeah and it still is so yeah, yeah it's all good um work works at ten i ain't there yeah. works great and i ain't asked about it you i ain't yeah, works good, I guess. I hope. Finances. Um, finances are good. I won't complain. I'm going to say finances are nine. You mm-hmm. know, I, that, that's how I feel. So, seven, ten, nine. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling today. All yeah. right. How are, you, how are you? Um, hold on. No. No. How are you? <laughs> I'm fucked up. I ain't gonna lie. We sitting here being honest. I'm stressed the fuck out. I'm stressed to my gills. My mental, I'm on like a five right now. Really? I need, yeah, I need sleep. Um, tired. I need sex. Um, <laughs> but I know my baby only one weekend um, with her recovery. There's five more to go. I told him he could just like... <sighs> There's I offered, I said, let's, you know, give, have some body to body. Um, can I get through my, my yeah, thing? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so Let it out, bro. Mental, I'm probably like a five. Do so, you need to cry? No. 
But if I, you know, after I rest tonight, usually in the morning, I might go back up to a seven. But right now, sitting here doing the show, mentally, I'm five. Y'all pray for my baby. Work is an eight. Work's always good. I got good people. Work's good. Not worried about that. Cold as a motherfucker, but not, I'm, I'm good. So what's that for me? A five, an eight. What's your finances looking like? Five, eight. Finances is a nine. I'm going to go with a nine on the finances. That's good to hear. Yep, status quo. There's yes. another saying for that, but I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> so you are a seven, ten, and nine. I am a five, eight, and nine. Yeah, you got some room, but I'm, I, 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 anything. It'll balance out. I'm I, sure. I hope so. We'll put some prayer. I've never heard you get a five, but no. again, we're honest and open. We got a lot of things going on personally, professionally, not all good stuff. But you know, along with good stuff comes a little stress, and anything worth having is worth working for. And when you're working for it, it can become stressful. So we yeah. got it, babe, and I got you. I'm sorry, I'm not at full capacity. To be it's, able to help you, you I know, I know you're not blaming me, but I'm just saying, I know that could help relieve some stress. And then going to get that good weed gonna help relieve tomorrow. I could also Man, relieve Friday. stress in some other ways. Well, it is Friday, Saturday if you're watching it, but you know, I'm just saying I could help you. All right. Cool. What's your wows and woes for this week? What you want to start with? Woes. What's yours? You know, my woe for this week. Um, I'm gonna say there was another. Um, I'll just I'll just say this: the news is my woe, <laughs> and that's so broad in general. And I don't want to go into too many specifics, but some people might say this is ignorant. I really try. I don't watch the news. You know, I try to stay updated on things. It's like pertinent. a twenty-year cliche with everybody. I don't watch the news. I don't watch the news. I know I don't, and I did actually didn't watch the news, but I read these news stories that happened, you know, recently this week, and it's just heartbreaking. Um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Another fire. This one in New York City. More people dead. And again, like we talked about, the fire that happened in Philly last week. Anytime it's a fire. It's, it's horrible, but you know, we I think we hear about them in the wintertime because of this people trying to stay warm. Yeah, and we I don't think people fail to realize we just heard 15 kids die, six and nine, so that's staggering. No, it was it's eight in Philly and nine. Oh, so, so 17, 17 yeah, 17 children just perished like that. That's uh, within seven days, that's a woe or less. Yeah, that's definitely a woe. Yeah, so that was my woe. Wow, you know what? My wow for this week, I thought about. I know we talked about a couple episodes about black businesses and things like that and what your experience is. I have to say, and this ain't no paid advertisement because we pay our bill, but we have a media marketing company that we use called Appetize, black-owned company. And I have been, if y'all noticed, some of the, you know, um, more um, social media presence that we have been having. We have been working diligently and in increasing our social media footprint. Um, and we're learning a lot. And it's a black-owned company. And that, for me, is was just my wow. The other uh, the other day or a couple nights ago, whatever it was, you know, I was just thinking, like, wow, this is just really awesome because, you know, it's a lot that goes into social media postings and stuff like that from a business perspective. Yeah, it's all fun and entertaining and stuff, but it really is work. But it just made me proud to think, you know, we talked about working with black-owned businesses and stuff, and we haven't had any negative experience. So I will say, again, this ain't no pay advertisement, 
Um, but this is because of our good experience. If you are a business owner in any capacity, you don't have to be a podcast, but if you are a business owner in any capacity and you want to increase your social media marketing, um, I would highly suggest Appetize. It's A-P-P-A-D-T-I-Z-E, Appetize. So that was my wow. Like, I, I really thought about that. Like, this is one of those experiences where, you know, you hear people complain when they have bad experiences with black own companies but this has been a great experience for us yes sir yes yes ma'am what's your what do you want to start with your wow my your wow world? has been just um again life comes with stress so i'm not complaining i'm in a uh, we're in a good place we're not going through anything terrible but we do have a lot going on and i'm just glad i made it through another week without breaking the fuck down like and i, I got tools in my suit in my bag so i know when i feel you know, stress or anxiety. I'll be honest with you about it. Communicate it, to, you know, with you, and <clears throat> use my tools to, you know, calm myself down or just get back in my happy place. So I'm just thankful that I got through another week, um, even dealing with stress and a little bit of anxiety. Um, yeah, just glad that I can properly place it. And what was your woe? Woe was the fires, the Bronx fire. It was another fire in the Bronx, and um, nine more kids died. I don't know their ages, but um, nine more kids died. That's I don't know about about brothers and sisters, but to me, that's nine different families that's you know fucked up and fucked up forever. So that's you know condolences out to those families. And adults um, died too, but yeah, yeah, condolences out to those families, heartfelt um, sorrow, and that was my woe that and, more kids perish a week after. It's always in succession with mm -hmm. these things, with these fires. Like usually, it's a mom and a couple kids around Christmas. But if you don't hear that, then you hear a fire happen, then another one, then another one, then another one. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's sad, and then, and then not to mention the. People who are now homeless because of that, you know, God, thank God they were able to walk away with their lives. But in in both situations, people now who are homeless and, yeah, you know, you might be able to stay with a relative for a weekend or something like that. But a lot of people are in a position to just have somebody fully move into their home or a lot of people are in a position to just pick up and relocate somewhere. So, you know, yeah. And she just said something about the homeless. Let me just shift gears for a minute. The fucking cold makes me think about homeless people and she just said that which triggered something in my mind but just the homeless people out there in the cold like um i don't know just it makes me think about them when it's like 10 12 degrees outside like sleeping on vents and mm -hmm. hoping that they get to a shelter or something like that i know you can't just pick a homeless person up and bring them in off the street and bring them they in the house to. yeah but i mean jesus christ like in times like this it's like you drive past people and see them on the street and then in moments like this, I'm not even driving, but that thought is still in my mind about homeless people on the vets and 10-degree yeah. weather. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can't say shout out to homeless people, but, you know. No, but, but you know what? I will say shout out to the people who work in shelters, people that work for the city, those who are in those social services fields that are trying to help. Um, again, you can't make homeless people go into a shelter, but there are resources. I did hear something, and I don't remember the name, but there there is one shelter in Center City, I think like 12th and Vine or something, because we know it's still a pandemic. So, and you got restrictions on proximity of people so some people that have covid you know they're not they not they don't have as many um 
uh, available spaces or beds, but there is a shelter that is accepting. I think it's a men's shelter. That's why they specifically said men, but they are they are accepting men with COVID. So I mean, that would just, be the key word. Yeah, that is the men's shelter. Because <laughs> you know what? In my mind, I was thinking, why only men? Because I'm thinking it being co-ed, but I guess shelters you got rapes and shit like that. I didn't think about that. People, that yeah, yeah I, I didn't think about can't that. Can't mix up people like that. You got people off the street. Some lady might be homeless because she was raped, and you just can't. Make I didn't think about like that, that until this moment. Like, why did they say COVID? positive men but now it makes sense so you know just sh so yeah of course we can't sh shout out the homeless people but definitely shout out to those people working in the social services field that are trying to help and make a difference yeah so that was my wows and woes um topic of discussion this week a baby had a procedure last week as she shared that on the last episode and you know they she was under the knife so for that procedure she was she was given propofol and that's a high power high power narcotic along with some other drugs and stuff but that being the most powerful one and then you know when they get you out the hospital they kind of you know or they flood you with these other drugs these other prescription drugs um and it, it's not only a uh, what is it, a pandemic or epidemic epidemic it's an epidemic of um prescription pills just like it was crack back in the 90s and we never take them we never ever ever take them we have prescriptions and bottles not like laying around the house but we could go to two or three bottles in a drawer that we yeah. have for four or five years that still got 10 percocet in there from a toothache Oxy or yeah like we just don't fuck around with that shit and um she's been a trooper and not needing it and been on just ibuprofen and tylenol and things and that like was only that. the first day right but um it's a problem for doctors prescribing so many drugs and what your what your body go through under these these you know Michael Jackson drugs propofol and things like that. So speak to um, prescription drugs and the drugs you were prescribed and given during your procedure. So this so this is the thing, right? I don't necessarily fault the doctors i fault the policies and procedures because there needs to be a change and not just a generic process that's followed so of course you know you wake up and one of the things i can say was my first feeling was nausea you know which i hear is is common um you know it's not my first time being um put under general anesthesia being put to sleep um so i knew that that was to be expected but it was like severe nausea they gave me something that didn't really work. Then they gave me something else. Can't remember the name. And they're like, yeah, you know, this will make you a little drowsy. Well, it knocked me out. Don't know if that was a narcotic or not, but it knocked me out. Nevertheless, woke up again and they were like, okay, well, we'll give you something, you know, start preparing to go home. They gave me oxycodone while mm -hmm. I was there. Okay. And I'm and in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, that's probably good because, you know, as the pain start wearing off. Uh, I mean, as the meds start wearing off as I'm waking up, this will be proactive in fighting the pain. And then they also gave me a prescription for Percocet. In my mind, I knew from previous things that had medical issues, was thinking... And oxy, I have to cut you off, oxycodone and, and Tylenol is Percocet. Together. We learned yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know if y'all know that, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know. I actually <coughs> thought this... I was ignorant. I thought oxycodone and Percocet was interchangeable. I thought like oxycodone was just the generic name. It's hydrocodone is the is the 
the generic to that. It's hydrocodone too. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's why I found that oxycodone plus the acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, makes Percocet. You learn something new. So with that being said, I'm thinking like, God, I don't really, I don't want to take this, but I hope the pain isn't severe like that. I'm going to tell y'all something. It's a real transparency moment. In the last couple weeks, I have had some cramping and stuff like that. Ladies, that time of the month came. I have been constipated. Like, this is real transparency. I have been constipated. I felt a lot of things. But I didn't feel pain to the point that Percocet was needed. Now, and, and Discomfort, but not pain. Exactly. Discomfort where, like he said, you know, it took a couple Motrin, I think the first night. And then I think the next day I took a couple Tylenol. And that was it. And it made me think like, wow, like how do they, how do they assess when you need this? Because now let me be a per, and, and let me just stop for one second. Going back years ago, I had a medical emergency where I went to the, where I went to the hospital and was in severe pain. They sent me home, told me to buy my Lanta at, because they thought I was distributing. Uh, I'm sorry. They thought that I was exhibiting drug seeking, drug behavior. seeking behavior. Okay. Now, when I tell you now, after that, I ended up having to go back to the hospital, had to have emergency surgery because I was almost dying. So that's why the pain that I was feeling was real. So I say all that to say at that time when I needed drugs, now that wouldn't have fixed my problem, but I was in severe pain. Y'all sent me home, told me to buy Maalox or my Lanta because I was exhibiting drug seeking behavior by telling y'all my stomach hurt. And now here we go. I have surgery, which I don't have the pain that I even expected me to have. But it makes me think, how do they assess pain levels? Because had I really been a person exhibiting drug-seeking behavior, I would have been happy. Well, I can answer that because in the hospital, they assess pain levels with numbers and happy faces. Well, uh, but Sad I mean, faces. how? no, but how do they assess it in the sense of, okay, you had surgery, you're going home, we're going to write this. Do they ever do like a survey to ask? Like, no, you of went... course they don't do a survey to say, have you ever taken these drugs no, no, or no, no, what no, they no. might do to you? No, or... that's not what I'm saying. Do they do a a post-surgery survey to ask people to say, you know, when you went home after surgery on a scale of 1 to you 10. You didn't get to that yet. Oh, I'm sorry. When you go home post-surgery and you're on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your pain level? Do you need that type of drug? Do you need that type of narcotic? Or can you just get some sick? Cause I didn't know they had 600 motion and 800 motion. Um, maybe you could get that and you don't, you don't need Percocet, hydrocodone, and all that kind of well, shit. Well, I mean, it's hard to ask somebody when they're leaving, but what I'm saying is to say, hey, hi, Natasha, you know, recently you had services provided at our hospital. Can you tell us about your experience? You know, on day one, was your pain level from one to 10? On day three, was your pain level from one to 10? On day five, that way, if you start getting survey results and you realize, wow, people are saying on day one, their pain level might have been at a five. Day three, it might have been at a three. I don't think so, people would be honest. Wow, really? Yeah, I don't think people would be honest because it's it's not us, but there's money tied to those pills. So I don't think people would be honest. So you don't think the hospitals would be honest? No, I don't think people would be oh, honest. Oh, you said money, meaning like they can get the pills yeah. and if they don't take them, they can sell them. Yeah, I think it's money behind <sighs> it. So I think people will always say in this era, yeah, I'll take the perks. I know somebody in my family might want them and I can sell them. It ain't like I got to go on the street and sell them. 
somebody in my family takes prescription pills and they'll they'll probably buy. I didn't even it. think about that. That is so crazy. So you'll have you'll have the the patient not being honest about it. Okay. So yeah. You well, that's there. why I say okay. So my thought in saying changing <clears throat> policy and procedure to your point. It might be a moot point because the people aren't going to respond honestly. But that was just my experience. I felt like, wow, they wrote me this prescription. And had I been a person that just popped pills, I learned when I was 16 or 17, I had my wisdom teeth taken out. And I was prescribed um, Tylenol with codeine. And literally, I had like a, um addiction moment for that week. And my mom had to take them away from me because she's. I was taking them as prescribed every four hours or whatever. And she said... You don't even know if you're hurting anymore because you keep taking these pills. Like, let your body, like, you're medicating yourself so, to not feel anything. But, but what if your mouth if, don't really hurt no yeah, more? Yeah, you don't know if your pain is left or anything like that. Um, when you Google these drugs, they have to give you a baseline of the, um, the baseline of addiction. And throughout hydrocodone, oxycodone, and Percocet, the addiction is seven pills. And so my my thing is, why are they always prescribed past the addiction? Because they all, the the lowest prescription is ten pills. Even when you get wisdom teeth out or an extraction of one tooth, you're prescribed if you want ten pills. When the baseline of addiction is seven pills. You know what I heard um, a, a while back, maybe a year or two ago. Um, Doctor I said that um, if you are prescribed a narcotic. And you take it as prescribed, not overdosing and taking more or anything like that. But if you take it as prescribed by, um, let's say you get it for a 30-day period. If you take it as prescribed by the 10th day, your body, maybe not mentally you don't realize it, but your body has become addicted to those drugs. Yeah. And I think that's Especially what Especially if you finish the prescription. Yeah, I think that's, that's what thing. happens with people is that they take it as prescribed, but they don't take it as needed. Like, if I, that my prescription was for 30 days, I think, I don't even know if it's at every four hours or every six hours. Every four. So if I was in here taking a Percocet every four hours for 30 days. You're talking six a day. Right, yeah, that's 24 hours in a day, so 6 times 4 is 24. You're taking 6 pills a day. For 30 for days. For 30 days, 180 pills. Yo, I would be would a, a perkhead at, at the clinic. end of this month. <laughs> yeah. I think I would have been a perkhead at the end of the first First week. off, you're going to have a shot liver. You're going to be severely constipated because that's what uh, prescription narcotics do to you. They dry your insides up and make you severely constipated. And 180 pills in 30 days, yeah, and that's... That's um, above, that's way too lenient with the prescription. Way yeah. too lenient. And, and Even some people um, may take a teenager or something to the dentist or a hospital or something. They'll prescribe a kid, 15, yeah. 16 years old, Percocet, hydrocodone, and things like that. That's, that's way, that's out of pocket. Like, and you wonder why it's an epidemic with people. Because if you, if you get 10 pills and you take seven, the, the 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 baseline of addiction is seven pills. So in seven pills, if you're saying I can, I, there's a chance that a bigger chance on fifty on the side of fifty percent that I'm addicted. Then why are you giving me three more? Yeah. You want to like make sure that I get addicted. Yeah. That that's what made me like. I've never me. seen a a, a a perk script for two or three. It's always ten. 
Yeah, I don't even know. Or 30 or 40, but the lease is always 10. I know that's what happened to our nephew when he had his teeth pulled. And thank God my sister was like, absolutely not. Like, y'all can't prescribe him Motrin, like an 800 Motrin or something. Like, I'm not giving this. And, and he's 17 now. I think he was like 15 at the time. And she was like, absolutely not. Like, I'll monitor his pain and give him medication as needed. But I don't want this. I'm not feeling this. Like, And just to think, like, why... you. You know, and, and I don't, again, I don't think the doctor's plan in their head is, let's get these people addicted. But I definitely think as they talk about the war on drugs and it being an epidemic and trying to, you know, reduce this opioid addiction, it, it they have to think about, and maybe they are, that's why they turned me away when I really was in pain, but at the same that's time. That's how drug addicts come into the emergency room, though, acting like their stomach hurt and their back hurt shit like that like yeah but look at the record over. like hmm this lady hasn't been here before well, I that don't say, mean you couldn't have got on yeah, I, I, couldn't have got on drugs. i agree and i understand but at that point i i was angry do you think they should be prescribed at all yeah okay so i think about this a person that's been like in a car accident broken bones i i never you know i broke my toe but i can't and i know how bad that hurt i can't imagine the excruciating Compound pain fracture of having your femur bone, broken and so i would think people that got on like hip casts and body casts i would think there is but a they time, shouldn't them people be like you should i don't think you should be sent home with those drugs i don't care what your injury is like maybe you should have a, a, a nurse, nurse come out administer, and administer possibly. but you shouldn't be sent home with a month's a month worth of narcotics like that but then you talk when you talk about the cost or and i'm not saying you're wrong but you money talks you think mm -hmm. about the cost of the medical industry do we give this person a prescription and let them be responsible and take it as they need it or do we pay a nurse fifty dollars an hour to travel to this person's house three times a day to give them a pill you know so i mean that that's what you guys that that's how it's going to kind of now you do have situations like maybe if somebody has like a um machine and it's timed and only spit one out every you know like something like that like, like a, a drip think, yeah. yeah people think in the hospital that they're on a morphine drip and they could plunge it and get morphine mm -hmm. but you only get it on a time no matter how many times you hit the button yeah. it's time to give you a you shot you only use a certain amount yeah. within a specific time it's, frame. yeah like whether it be if you're in severe pain every um 15 minutes or something like that but you can click it all you want so you remember and but you're not going to keep giving yourself morphine is what i'm saying you kill yourself in a bed right and not I don't want y'all to think like I'm some real sickly person. I've just had certain instances in my life, but this goes back to the same time when I was sick. They had to do emergency surgery. I was there during that time in the hospital. I had a Oxycontin button I could push. And I'm going to say the six, eight, how many days was I there? Six. Six days I was there. I might have pressed that button twice, maybe three times like that, like, early on in this day and i remember the nurses saying like oh like you haven't been using your medication i'm like because i don't like i used it as needed i didn't like the way it makes me feel and maybe i know this is a personal thing too because maybe somebody else who had the same pain level may have used it more but me i think about 
not just that moment like okay i'm hurting but when i take this now i'm going to feel groggy or i'll feel nauseous so i kind of weigh it like would i rather just feel a little bit of pain and manage it or do i want all the other stuff to go with it mm -hmm. so it's just it's it's a crazy world and I, but now i see from personal experience how easy it is like when, i can't believe they gave me percocet and like motrin and it worked yeah it you wasn't have enough. to use that stuff with all the studies and information and, and um why aren't they prescribing cannabis more and i mean they do give it to cancer patients because they ask for it so there is a way for them for cancer patients it seemed like that that community gets their hands on 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 cannabis more than any other um you know what to call it um other demographics other, that's sick mm -hmm. like that like i mean i think they give it to people with hiv aids and cancer but i don't um you know i don't know about other stuff that's a good point and i'm wondering you know that that's a great point i guess too you have to um think okay one not all doctors are able to prescribe well, there's enough doctors. I'm, not all doctors are being able to prescribe it, but they can get a doctor to prescribe it. I understand that. Referred to somebody. I understand it, but I'm I'm just trying to think through it because I don't know. So I'm just throwing. It's cool to say you don't know. Yeah, but but I'm just thinking of possible reasons why they couldn't, and then maybe we know there's so much research about um, cannabis and cancer. Um, and like cannabis and glaucoma and stuff like that, but maybe but there isn't enough research to show that you know, or I'm, maybe they I'm don't a medical feel like cannabis patient, right? So I have a, a a medical card, so I can speak to this. And in the dispensary, um, medical cannabis is di is different from rec cannabis, recreational cannabis, is what they call it in the community. Rec cannabis oh, in the community. I'm not but, part um, of the community. So rec cannabis is different from med cannabis and med cannabis is targeted so you can go in and say i have insomnia and they can say okay you should have this strain with mm -hmm. this amount of thc or you can go in and say i have ms mm -hmm. and at night i get aches and they'll say okay here's a high dose of thc in the 30s because you can get pain like that and aches at night this will put you to sleep um you, if you have a broken arm and you say you have pain they can target that so med cannabis is completely different from rep cannabis where those those elements, all that kind of stuff can be targeted by just going in there and being honest with it. So you know what I'm wondering though, because you made a good point, except for the broken arm part. Okay. I say that to be like, that's just pain. No, I get that though. But when, but when you think about the real, a real medical condition, is it that cannabis is mostly prescribed for prolonged medical conditions? And just go with me when you think, MS, mm -hmm. cancer, not to say cancer can't be cured, but it's usually for a longer time frame that you have to deal mm -hmm. with it. Um, if you think about like glaucoma, if you think about anxiety, PTSD, PTSD, oh, PTSD, those are episodic periods of medical, where, where medical treatment is needed. Mm -hmm. Those are more prolonged, whereas like, okay, a surgery, this is a medical episode that you're having. So maybe, and I'm I, just throwing I would, this I, out I, there. I, I wouldn't say that about anxiety because you have anxiety attacks. So they, that can be episodic, but go ahead. But, but, but the disorder though is, is still there. Just because you might not have a, 
attack all the time. Like you have anxiety. No, I'm saying you through ep- you through anxiety in the non-episodic. It can be episodic because you have anxiety attacks. Right, but I but I mean, the, but the condition of anxiety is prolonged. Right, right. So that's all I'm saying. Like you have anxiety, it ain't like it just go away just because you don't have. Attack, the the attacks are episodic. You're right, mm-hmm. but and I'm depending s- on the person. You might have an attack every day. You might right. have, or you have every once other a day. month. Yeah, so but the anxiety is there. That's what I'm. So that that kind of goes into the category with PTSD, MS, cancer, all of those prolonged ailments. Whereas if you know you have a surgery or you broke your arm, maybe the thought is, do we want to prescribe cannabis because once you're healed, this goes away. You will no longer need it, but then you may be addicted. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's another thought from the medical community. It would be great to hear some feedback from a medical professional. Do we have any medical professionals out there? That, in the cannabis, um, cannabis community yeah. that can speak to that? Or just somebody who knows, like, as far as from a pharmacology standpoint, what, um, what is the parameters that's used to determine when cannabis is even a... a um, it's even in the question Consider, of prescribing. Yeah. Considered it's to be um, um, a probable yeah, solution. I was going yeah. to say a solution. Uh, um, yeah, a solution to the problem. Yeah, that right would there. be great to know. Um, it's more dispensaries now than ever before. There's 7,490 recreational dispensaries across the country. 7,490, wow. And just to think, you know what that made me? Just a asterisk on that you think about all the people in jail not not there yet okay that's um, just like <laughs> 7,490,000 across and that's just rec dispensaries right not med dispensaries um that's a whole different number um sales reached 7.3 billion in 2019 in 2019 and that's recreational 7.3 billion that's in the country that's a, um, and that's just recreational. That's yeah. a lot of weed. Yes, that's just recreational. Um, what was I ready to say? Um, who you think is the fastest growing market for dispensaries in the country? For for dispensary owners or dispensary um, by, um, support, like people who shopping? What state is opening oh. up dispensaries more than any other state? Oh, you said who? I thought you were talking about people. Okay, so where, what state do I think? In my mind, I would think California, but if you say opening up, I would think they may already have. No, I'm going to say California. California has more growers. Okay, so what else. state? But what state has more dispensaries? Oklahoma is the fastest growing market for dispensaries. They're first in numbers of this of dispensaries and first per capita. Wow, you know what that's surprising to me? Because I think of Oklahoma as being like a part of those Bible Belt states. <laughs> they smoke a lot of dope. Yes, of and they're dope. so close and to Texas. And they got Texas. all the fucking fields over there. But they're so close to Texas, too. And I don't think weed is legal in Texas. Mm-mm. And now, and that's my ignorance. I ain't never been to Texas or Oklahoma. But I kind of think of them of being of the same mind. But obviously not. Wow, Oklahoma. Um, would you travel? Would you visit Oklahoma? I would go anywhere. With me? I mean, I would visit Omaha, Nebraska. I told you oh. that before. Like, I'll, I'll visit Iowa. I'll visit... I probably won't go to South, South or North Dakota. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Then again, I might want to go to Fargo. I love that movie, Fargo. Just, just because of their accent. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't want to go to New Orleans. 
which is another, this is a sidebar. How many times have I told you I don't want to go to New Orleans? A lot of times. We've been together for 20 years. How many times have you heard that? A lot. A lot. Why don't I want to go to New Orleans? Because you don't want to eat that food. You, you That's not your, like, that's not your cuisine of choice. What did you cook last night? <laughs> I made, like, a gumbo. With what? What's the seasoning? Well, I, well, the... But what were you trying to in, imitate? I was trying to imitate, like, a Creole seasoning. Okay. My wife of 20 years, we've been together, okay? She's heard over, it's on tape. She's heard over and over and over and over again that I don't want to go to New Orleans because I don't like the cuisine. I don't like how they dance in the street for funerals <laughs> and stuff like that. It's just not my thing. And I, I'm not shout out to anybody from New Orleans. I ain't trying to down on y'all. It's just not my thing. She makes a dinner and says, okay, this is gumbo with Creole seasoning. Well, okay. Let's also say this. What is a food that... For the first time in 20 years, I have made for you probably five times in the last three, in the last two months, and you absolutely love it. I don't know. What's, the, what's, what's your, what your new, I don't want to say your favorite, but your breakfast dish of choice? Grits? Oh. No. Shrimp and grits. Okay. And how many times before 2021... Have you eaten shrimp and grits? Because I thought it was stupid. I thought that okay. grits go with chicken. So so now you say you thought it was stupid. So sometimes, and I know how my husband is, he can 20 go... 20 years he I've can been saying hear this. Of, he can hear of something and be like, mm-mm. But my husband loves me, and I know what he likes. I know what his belly likes. So sometimes well, I'll I know what something. I like, and I know what my belly but likes. But you thought you didn't like shrimp and grits. But I don't like gumbo. Okay. I don't like gumbo. I, will never I don't make like gumbo New Orleans. Again. I don't like Creole seasoning. <laughs> I will never shift back to the show, <laughs> but the, again, it's just on tape. Something we'll take to therapy too. Like, are you listening to me for twenty years? It's a like, therapy, really. Just saying. Um, I ain't never making gumbo again. It wasn't that good anyway. Worldwide, it wasn't. World, I tried. Worldwide, the market for weed is six. Will be sixty six point three billion by twenty twenty five. Wait, so they made seven point three. Dang, so worldwide, the weed market will be at $66.3 billion by 2025. And what I have to say to that is worldwide, everyone who went to prison for weed should be out by then, by 2025. Yeah. If y'all going to reach $66.3 billion by 2025, then I don't care if a dude went to, went to jail for 200 pounds of weed, he should be out. Yeah. He should be out. I don't, I don't give a damn. I, I, if he went to jail, if he was selling crazy amounts of weed, he should be out of jail mm -hmm. by the time 2025 come and the worldwide record is 66.3 I think they're going to do it. I think the conversation... Like, nobody should be in jail for a nickel bag at that point. I think the conversation about um, le the legalization of marijuana is snowballing so rapidly that they are going to let people out Excuse me. <coughs> it hurts the cough, y'all. I'm sorry. You all right? <coughs> I had the cough, but my stomach hurt. Was that because of the smoke? Mm -mm, oh. Something was in my throat. Ah, I felt like I like swallowed a splinter or something all of a sudden. Sorry. I think the conversation about the legalization of marijuana is snowballing so rapidly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just got sad. You said it. Go ahead. Um, 
that they're going to have to let people out okay so i had some weave in the house like hair weave and he stuffed it up on a clothes rack y'all and it just caught my eye thinking to myself what the hell then climbed up so that was the moment why i just kind of snickered a little bit because it caught my eye because it's a bundle up there hanging off my rack of okay. clothes but yeah, but back to the point. I I really do. I think they're gonna have to. Mm -hmm. Like it's too, it's too much pressure. Like it's too. It's it's good. I think there's gonna be too much pressure. If anybody yeah. is in jail just for marijuana, just for I'm not talking about marijuana and a murder, marijuana and a and six robberies. But if you're in jail for just weed and you got ten fucking years in the '90s and twenty years when they was giving out all that time for weed. Like by 2025, if they had 66.3 billion that, that they're making on it now, then yeah. And <laughs> also, I think by that time, the government will get on it because it's still not federally legal. Right. It's so that means all the dispensaries can't insure themselves, which um, which leads to these 10 foot wall safes that they have in these places with filled with cash. And if it's not federally, it's not federally legal and they can't insure themselves do you know what other business this is how the trickle down effect it um it booms do you know what other um other business it it booms be because of that the what other business it booms i would because I, it's not federally insured so they have so they can't put the money in right. banks because the banks won't insure the cash I so would think, what do you think uh, what other business is insured due to that i would think it would boom the security industry access controls yeah okay yeah. something that i use at work all the time and it, it just like blew my mind to think damn now everybody calling for card swipes and access controls to get in your space because right people you can come in there and rob it yeah, yeah. And it's crazy because even in some some dispensaries when they open the doors and go in the back now a lot of them all of them is 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 set up where it's just the weed but sometimes when they run out of weed they go in the back mm -hmm. and they may open the door and you may see fucking five i'm talking safes you need a forklift for right. or a truck for like you gotta build shit around these safes mm -hmm. so big and it's like damn like that's where all the money is going let me ask a question so 2025 come right and they haven't released all of the people who have been or, or they haven't dropped all marijuana related charges so let's not say release all the people because again if you're there for something else you may still be there but they've dropped all marijuana related charges if you can come home you home if they haven't done that and everybody decides they're going to boycott the dispensaries you boycott no oh. no i'm not, not boycott the dispensaries here okay not, okay yeah, just no why we want to boycott why would we do that though because they make it sixty six billion, but they not letting the people out. You gotta make a stand. Who me? I, I'm saying you, as in the people. All the people, or is it gonna be some more people at home talking about? Look at the people out there. I'm in in the house smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody ain't gonna do that. You'll help them in a different way. I yeah, I, I would. Yeah, them. I would sign a petition. I would, you know, maybe go to a town hall meeting or something like that. But I don't think I'm going. No boycotting. No, we're not gonna stand out front of the dispensary and. I got you. No, we're okay. not like that. All right. And all the dispensaries and all the marijuana industry. How much of us do you think you see? 
When I say us, I mean blacks. So I'm going to say, I'm just going to throw a ballpark number out there. Um, to spend, I'm going to say 10%. Um, first off, no, you're wrong at that. And we'll come back to that. But you're wrong. Um, you're actually high. In Massachusetts, wow. no blacks or Latinos have applied for a license because of the stringent process and getting them. You know, I so have, on record, they don't even have blacks and Latinos apply. In Massachusetts at all. Yeah. But that is something that I've heard. Um, I was looking, I, I was, I see some other information. This was specifically about California and it wasn't about black people per se, but it was just talking about the process of getting like being a well this is about growers so i know dispensaries are different but still just the bureaucratic red tape that you got to go through which is so crazy when you think you know about the government um stops in the process but it's still a difficult process it's a uh insanely difficult process i've heard podcasts of people who lost 20 million dollars trying to get in the industry and for black people it's um some sometimes well all the time you apply for your license right then you have to start your company you have to hire hundreds of people and do all this overhead and wait for them to tell you yeah like you have to show how much diversity this is how much they don't want black people in there you have to show them in in some small companies you have to show them a diversity plan of who you're going to have on your team first before they say yes or no I have a question. Yeah. So you apply for a license, you wait for approval, you hire all these people. What the hell are the people doing if you don't have approval to have a business yet? Setting up the business. You you need people to set up a business. You can't just like start Tuesday morning. I mean, okay, so you a, so um, you're hiring you from the you, you're hiring people from the higher level, not the work. Okay. No, you all need right. a structure. Got you. To be in, first of all, if you need a. But then, what if you don't right? get approved? Then you don't exactly. Wow. And lots of yeah, and then you can't do anything with that. You probably can sell it off to somebody who does have a license, but you just spent all this money and probably not going to get it all back. Right. Wow. That's... I heard that from Al Harrington. Like, he spent a lot of money trying to get started, but he's been in it so long, and I guess, you know, that basketball money kind of long, you could stay in it, and now he respected in it and got the Viola brand, which is yeah. is popping. That You you make a good point. Next I'm time we go to L.A., I'm getting Allen Iverson. Uh, that you make... <laughs> I'm happy that you mentioned um, Al Harrington, not him specifically, but um, a wealthy black person in this conversation because I was going to ask, is it, you know, we hear about Snoop and we hear about, um, I know um, Shawnee O'Neal, she was, you know, getting into that and she, so it makes me think, is it one of those things where like race is less of an issue than it is class like because it's, it's really like the wealthier people it's both because it's a criminal law act that says if you if you are locked up for weed it's called the first step act you locked up for weed you get out of prison you have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur and go into the marijuana industry okay but you need capital so right. in order to get capital now just think about this you're a guy who just did 20 years a lot of people probably disconnected from you in 20 years you've been in prison they give you an opportunity to um, get into the marijuana business. Now you need capital, and I think the cost, the, fr the first upfront upfront fees is, is is three million dollars. So who the fuck does somebody, if you just did twenty years in jail, 
Who do you ask for, for, for $3 million? Who do you know to go to? How are you going to get a loan and you just did 20 years for $3 million? So it's like yeah. they're giving you the opportunity because the law says we have to give him the opportunity. He's black. He's been locked up for it. But we know he don't have the capital to do so. So would it be, would it make sense And to people say like Shawnee and Snoop and, and Al, Al Harrington, the people who do have the millions of dollars, they make it hard for them. It's not a law. They're not a part of the First Step Act. They wasn't in, in prison for marijuana. Right. So in that case, what we're going back to what you said, though, needing three million off the bat, is it fair to say that um, that it, it you know regular everyday people like us, like that ain't an industry that's for us unless like you have some invest, like you have some connections and you have you a network capital. of investors that's going to give you capital because. Where's your everyday? If you tomorrow decided, babe, I want to start act to the dispensary, then the government needs to step in, and and legalize it at the federal level and administer better banking practices and um, low interest loans so people like me can get in. I can get a loan and get into the marijuana industry. They don't have any low interest loans for for a person like me. If I'm a felon or something like that, then I can't get in. So is are there? Can you get okay? Change change the, the practices of the banks. Make it uh, is legal at at the federal level, so all the money's insured. Now you don't go. You don't have to worry about security teams and all that kind of stuff and swipe cards and um, yeah. So okay, uh, the federal level that will you know you have more banks, more access, lower interest loans. That sounds good. Can you get, and I'm completely ignorant to this, this is why I'm asking, so you can you get a small business loan or, or a, a loan period, a business loan, to open a dispensary since it's not federally approved? Like, no. You, wow. So, no. again, that takes me back to... They're giving you the opportunity, but they know you don't have the capital well, to that, go that's to. That's what it. I'm saying. <laughs> that takes me back to... It, it, it's a race issue, I get it, because black people have disproportionately been hurt by, you know, the laws against marijuana. Yeah. But also, it's more of a class issue because it's not for... It's not for the lower class. It's not for the middle class. It ain't for the upper middle class. It ain't for the high class. It's for the very wealthy, it sounds like. And that... The very wealthy ain't black or white. It's no, green. No, it's 1%. Yeah. It's, it, the, 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 the people are, are the top wealth of the world. Yeah, that's 1% of the people. So to me, it sounds like that's the it's biggest the, it's hurdle. It's the people from Dubai. The princes can get in the, in the marijuana industry. It's Now, you've got guys like Burner who, you know, started out small and ended up with a huge brand and in the marijuana industry. So it's... It can happen for some small people. Is that you got the guy people that like Gilly now who, yeah, you got people like Gilly now who got his own strand. And I mean, I don't know how good it do, but to have your own strand, Nori got his own strand. But, but okay, so now, now you're confusing me though. Having your own strain is one thing. Having a dispensary is another thing though. True, true. Okay, true. so because you can have your own strain that can be at multiple dispensaries. It's a toe in the door is all I'm saying. But you don't have to have a dispensary to have your own strength. No, you just have to get with people who grow, and it takes like two years for them to cultivate what you like and grow it and have enough of it. Wow. <coughs> so, so is it feed? Okay, let's just say, and again, I'm learning about this world because I think this is one of those things that, like, 
social media created a career like created new career paths that 20 years ago weren't jobs like a social media manager the fact that we're using a black owned media marketing company to learn about social media engagement like these are new doors that are opening mm -hmm. in career paths that i think probably in college you know you, you don't need a degree but you you know they'll start teaching about with marijuana i think it's the same thing and not new in a sense because farming has been around forever but this is different like you know i don't know how it works with people that grow corn like can you say are your you have a farm right that's a different type of money though right the right corn don't even compare to marijuana I, i'm just using it that's as an example as okay but let's just so go corn like, coffee orange juice shit like that you can't even come the money that that shit makes doesn't even compare right okay to so marijuana. <laughs> scratch the corn no corn <laughs> no corn that just made me those think. are things like if they if they're commodities if they didn't exist the world couldn't run right i get it. those things i get so. it so let's scratch that <laughs> going back to the farm if i'm a farmer right mm -hmm. i got all this land right and i'm growing marijuana could you come to me and say, look, I want to open an act, I, I, not an open, I want to act too strain. I want, you know, and you pay me to grow it on my farm. Somebody else pay me to grow their strain. Somebody, like, I'm just growing it and I'm, you know, y'all using my land to grow it. Well, it won't be that. It'll be, can we use your land to grow on? Right. It's not like you're paying the farmer to go out there and grow. No. Can we use your land? Can I bring my team down here? Who who up growers and people who know you can't just trust a farmer to grow weed. That shit might not grow right. That's a process, babe. You just don't drop seeds in the ground and in the dirt and it grows. It's got to be cut, taken care of, watered at a certain time. There's teams of people who do that, not just the farmer. He can so grow the farmer corn. you written his you're leasing he can grow, his land. Yeah, you can lease a piece of some acres. And, but you but you'll have your, your workers work come, the land. Yeah, hell but yeah. again, so still you're Who've talking been growing about growing weed for years for you who know what the hell's going on. But look at the jobs you're talking about. The farmer, right? Who just I just got this land. You want to lease this plot of land? It costs this much, or we can give you this much. It costs this much, or if you want all my land, it costs this much. Right. And then you got the people who are workers who work in the land. You know, then you got the people who I'm sure got to like come and collect it. Okay. Well, we all know that that's minimum wage because it's probably Spanish people who work on farms and collect plants and stuff like that. Like it's not like black and white people who want those jobs. No, but I'm just talking about the different jobs that the marijuana industry mm -hmm. is now creating. Because just like you said, you like just like the person who is cultivating the seeds, they have to know. I think there has to be a certain lesson in giving in how to pick the marijuana. Like I'm talking about the people who harvest it are the Spanish and Latino people. The people who put the seeds, frames together and all that kind of shit, they're like almost scientists. Like some yeah. of these people are educated. Like it just is it, it, you gotta it's know amazing the flowering process and all that shit. And like I tried to grow weed, that shit didn't work. No, it did work. I didn't smoke it. No, you didn't, didn't smoke work. it, but but it grew. It died. It, it didn't work right. He did grow a plant, y'all. I don't know if you right. should be saying that. Are you allowed to grow a plant in New Jersey? I'm not. That was a long, long time ago. Long oh, time yeah. ago. Long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, long ass time yeah, ago. Yeah, long, long time yeah. ago. I'm talking like that was like 25 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, hell with that. I just think it's it's very it's a I'm very on the other interesting side of legal now. It's like, a very interesting side. conversation because. You know, it's the legalization of marijuana is here. Like, 
more of the government is in favor of than is against it and i think that's surprising to me um and i think it's that that's why i think the people are going to at some point they're gonna have to let these people out of jail because it's literally snowballing and becoming so big in society it's going to really it's making it its wave and footprint in society just like social media has some states are coming around some people are actually getting with it our state we live in now new jersey passed a bill that 25 percent of their marijuana licenses have to be set aside for blacks So while they didn't have sound- to pass a bill like that, they didn't no, have to. No, no. Just saying, I no, don't know. but what I'm they saying didn't is, have to do that. it sounds good. That's great. That that's awesome that they're saying that. Mm-hmm. It just it, it's sad because it's like, damn, like how can we help more black people get the money to do it? Yeah. That 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 was my side. It's like, damn, like New York is coming around. New York emphatically said that they won't um, vote and unless it their licenses are redirected redirected to, to people of color that's coming out of prison so they won't vote on any change or any laws in new york unless that's a part of it again that sounds great people coming out of prison where the hell are you getting money from mm-hmm. you know um 30 to forty thousand dispensaries in the country uh you said 10 percent you was mm-hmm. high it's four percent are black owned mm-hmm. wow out of 30 to forty thousand dispensaries across the country Four percent wow. are owned by people of color. That's really um, out of thirty to forty thousand dispensaries in the country, four percent have blacks in them. Seventeen percent of blacks have executive positions in those companies. Okay. Okay. So they make. You know what? That's one of those things where it's like. So thirty to forty thousand dispensaries. You got blacks. 17% in executive positions. So they may not be the owner, but they making money. They 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 making money Sprinkle working there. Bit, yeah. So again, it's creating Because a lot a of these companies I said before when you when you apply for a license, you have to show them a diversity plan first. Yeah. Of what you're going to who you're going to hire, women, you know, like all that. You got to show that. And it's one of those things that, you know, people talk about. I think what they've done now is change the language from affirmative action to diversity plan. Because, you know, affirmative action always had a negative connotation because it's saying, oh, I'm going to hire you because Because I have to, because I have to meet this quota. Yeah, because I have to meet this quota of having black people here. And I was never for or against affirmative action. I just felt like, give me the job if I deserve it. Not, oh, we got to fill this quota. But if it's a white man and I'm a black woman and I'm better than him, give me the job because of that. Um, but, I don't think but, I ever would have took, not to cut you off, I don't think I ever would have took a job. I don't think because of affirmative action. I never was in favor of it. And I understand black people's argument of the 60s um because there was just like restriction against jobs and and loans mm-hmm. so you had to put something in place that made white people you did cuz some people just would have never yeah, hired they a black person never hired a black person so i get that part but to like you said to be in there and like i'm educated i'm trying my hardest i'm able i can learn i'm capable and you just looking past that and giving me the job just because i'm number 6 
Or, you know, you but, got but would one you have black known? and you got to hire one this year. And see, you know what? You made a... You, you will know, I you, think. Because that a, shit will come out at work. I would say, or you'll feel it like they don't want yeah. But you made a good point. We were watching something, and I don't remember... Oh, I know. We were watching Selling Tampa. And one of the realtors, she came from a law firm. And I'm going to just make it this up. Like, it was like... Making this up. I'm sorry. I'm going to just make this... Making this up. I'm going to just make this up. Making this up. I think it was like... Was it 500 lawyers or 5,000 lawyers? 500, I think. 500. big fucking law firm. It was a big law firm. 500 lawyers. And she was the only black woman. Mm -hmm. And that just, like, made me think, I don't want to be there. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't other black men. Because she specifically said the only black woman. But I, I just... So that's one of the things about affirmative action. It's like, okay, if you gotta have... One of every, one of every ten people be black. You got a hundred people here and now. It's ten of us. Eh, it's gonna feel like you can easily see that. Yeah, yeah. You can you can look around and count that. But but what where I was going with that? I think with diversity plans now, it changes the conversation because it makes people say, okay, it's not just about hiring black people. It means that you don't just have to have them on the workforce, but you have to have them in. Um, it, there has to be hiring equity. So just to say, oh, we got three black people that work here, but one is part of the janitorial staff, one is the clerical staff, and one is in the C-level suite. Like, why can't we have six black people here for being the C-level suite? You know, one be clerical and one be janitorial. Mm-hmm. If that's the job they applied for. So I think diversity plan changes the conversation where it's not just you got to have a black face in there. But you have to really prove that you care about having a diverse workforce. Mm-hmm. Some people don't, though. Most people don't. Especially when you're talking about big white corporations. It's, it's, um, it's a proximity thing. People like to be around people who look like them. That's, how, that's been our argument for years. I want to see people representation. So people are comfortable like we are around black people. I get the people that. who talk like us, people who get our jokes, people who get our nuances. We're comfortable around that. White people are too. I get that. But let me <laughs> tell you this. If you're a white person watching this and you have a company and it's all white people, adding black people to anything will make it better. I stand on that. I'm I'm saying that because I truly mean that, but I'm saying that because I'm the, the, the top foreman in an all-white construction company. I so, I'm, I'm, it's not like... And you make it better. Yeah, I understand that, but I'm just saying, um, I understand, like, a company being all-white and you being the only black person there or having to feel like I got to do a little extra because it's a lot of white people around me or um, they might think that white boy is good as me or something like that. Like, I, I just get that. Yeah. Um... What's your beef? I don't have no beef. You got a beef? I got a beef. There's a lady named Jannie Perry from East Chicago, Indiana. There was a horrible story that I read this week where she punished her six-year-old child by making him stand in a cold shower for however long. Don't know how long. Fuck Jannie. He died. Okay? Standing in a shower? He, I guess, I, I don't know whether he developed hypothermia or what, but... Oh. An ice cold Jenny shower. should be skinned. No, no, no. Let me finish. And roll let around me finish. 
So he died. He started vomiting. Nobody called 911 or anything. He died. Then she birthed another. And y'all know I don't usually curse on this show. Then don't. But, and I'm not going to curse. But she birthed another cunt like herself. Her son, Jeremiah, 20 years old. Her and her son, her 20-year-old son, decide they're going to take this six-year-old baby and dump his body in an abandoned house. And then reported him missing, concocted this BS story. Nevertheless, Jenny Perry, she's my beef for the week. Like, I hope they get her for blood in prison. Jenny Perry should be skinned. And her son, she Jeremiah. She around in salt. Jeremiah should be skinned. Skin should be taken off the body. Um, should be rolled around in salt. Um, should be put outside in the cold. Should be fanned with a towel with no skin so it can burn. All type of shit. Rest in peace, Damari Perry. His name deserves to be remembered. He was a six-year-old beautiful boy. Um... That's all I'm going to say. Rest in peace, Damari Perry. Rest in peace, Damari Perry. What's her name again? Jenny Perry. You should die. Um, three grams. Maya Angelou on a quarter. Yay! I cannot wait to get my... I, I don't go anywhere. Can you take me out the house so I can get a quarter? <laughs> take you out the house. We'll take you out the house all fucking day tomorrow. Take me for a drive. Um, I cannot wait to get a quarter. I'm going to save it. I don't know how valuable it's going to be because Lord, everybody will have them. But I'm saving a Maya Angelou quarter. Yeah. I was so excited to see that. When they going to put Betsy, I mean, uh, Harriet Tubman on the 20. I don't know. I think that's pushing it. They were supposed to do that. They had. I thought statement. that was rumors. Was that nah, real? The Mint had said that, that she was going on there. When it comes, I'm going to be excited. But I'm really excited. And, and please don't take this the wrong way. We all know who Harriet Tubman is. Shout out to her. Salute to her. We are grateful for the uh, contribution she's made to society. I think for Maya Angelou, it resonates a little more because we live. But do Maya. they belong on money? Does like, do, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt? But who that else? was there. It's almost like. I don't know. It's almost like that was, you know, those white presidents that owned slaves and shit like that. They put them on money and held. That's what held the money to a high regard. And I'm not saying that that, that the um, the money isn't held to a high regard. You know, like as we're sitting here, but it's like, okay, does the celebrities and stars that we grew up with, the poets and things like that, does Michael Jackson belong on money? No, but I, I think, I think my, to your point, no, I hope that no celebrities ever get Should on money. Should they put Frederick Douglass on money? I would think Frederick Douglass okay. holds Nat that standing. He killed a lot of white people. They probably never going to put them on money. <laughs> he, they probably not. He, they put, they Smokey not, Robinson? No. He's an entertainer. Barry Gordy? No, no entertainers, but those people who have been... Maya Angelou was an entertainer. She was a poet who went around the world saying poems. But she was that... She wasn't like one of those kind of poets, though. I think she was one of those people who... um, She just... She she really made a difference in American literature. Mm. Not just thinking of just being a poet. She made a difference in American literature. By poems is what I'm saying. It's not like she made up words. She she taught literature and she she was a poet. She said po she wrote poems. That's literature. Yes, I'm agreeing okay. with you. So I'm just she saying she had a huge impact on American. So you literature. wouldn't look at her like an entertain. You wouldn't look at a poet like an entertainer. 
um, not a poet of her stature. No. Okay. No. All right, I give you that. Um, something popular now, five years, everyone will be embarrassed by. Something pop. You that know, everybody's doing now, and five years from now, they're going to be like, womp, 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 womp. Wish I didn't do that. I hope, well, so, so well. Not like BBLs or nothing like No, that. no, no. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope those snuffleupagus eyelashes that people, I girls wear. I hope they, you know, nowadays know. you look back and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I had those tight bangs or, you know, whatever kind of haircut you might regret. I, know, look, I hope that people. Women <laughs> out there, I know, I know I'm a man, I'm a married man, and I know y'all get dressed for y'all. Y'all don't get dressed for nobody else. But I'm just saying from a man perspective, from a man, a male perspective, you could be a drop dead gorgeous 10. And when you put eyelashes on. Let, let me let me let me add a caveat to that. It's when you put eyelashes on and they're noticeable. That's the thing with yes, fake things yes, that people yes. lost. I'm glad like back in the in day. That, I didn't mean just regular eyelashes, but eyelashes that's like two inches that long you know can't be real like this like hands Come that's the now. thing whether it's fake hair if you got fake boobs if you get in a fake butt it should look people should have to question like wow is that really hers like because it looks so nice i have people ask me about my lashes often when i wear mascara because i it elongates them and you got you got to kind of look to see like wow your lashes are really long are they real so if you do wear fake lashes it's nothing wrong with that but they should look real nobody should be able to be like oh your fake lashes look like i, I just don't get where did we lose that in wanting to have whatever you do fake now, of course, there's some things that you know. You know, if you have 40-inch bundles, everybody know it's not real. But at least it should have some realism to it where your hair is blended nicely or something with it. I don't know. The lashes, they should just look real. The That's lashes, they shouldn't even sell two-inch lashes. I don't <laughs> know what purpose that is for. Well, the for. real thick, fluffy like, ones. I yeah, like, I don't, yeah, they look like little caterpillars. Yeah, like, like, I don't know what that's about. It looked like somebody teased your eyelash. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck that's about. I don't know. And again, y'all put on shit for y'all, and I get that. So you don't have to tell me women get dressed for us. It ain't for men. I understand that. But just a man looking at, at a woman, it's like, damn, why... Why are eyelashes like that? Like that shit not attractive. It's not it's not cute to us, just so you know. Maybe it's cute to you, but it's not cute to us. Um last gram, and I mean this in satire slash seriousness. She vaxxed, I'm vaxxed. We're not boost, but vax don't work. People still get sick, people still dying, even when they vax, even when they boosted. People got vaxxed and boosted and got COVID and died. People thought that they could get the vax and not get COVID, but they was misinformed because you get the vax, you still get COVID. And then it seemed like, okay, then why did I get the vax if I'm still going to get sick? It, it, it just seemed like we all got vax because they told us we wasn't going to die if we got hospitalized. But it's like everybody's still getting sick. And my whole thing is it's not going to be over when everybody's vax. It's going to be over when everybody's infected. That's when COVID's over. So you think everybody has to get infected? It seems, yeah. To, and I, and I, again, yeah, it seems like everybody has to get infected for this to go away. But it's, if, if everybody's vaxxed, that doesn't mean anything because it's still going to go around. We're still going to catch I don't it. Think People are still going to get it. 
My thing is this, and I told you this. I knew somebody at work that got vaxxed um, and got the booster. And two days after he got the booster, he got COVID. So I told you this a long time ago, like a long time ago. I think the problem is that this whole propaganda that they're pushing, it's flawed because they have consistently talked about all the death rates, all the death rates. When you hear somebody saying, and, and I'm not I, in no way, shape, or form um, downplaying the fact that people did die. When you hear them saying a thousand people died today, 10,000 people died this week, a million people died, that's a lot of people. That's a lot it of people that died. a ticker on CNN. So let's think about this, though. Let's go back. If about, let's say 10,000 people got COVID today, a thousand people died. That changes your perception. Now, this week, 250,000 people got COVID. 10,000 people died. Now, this year, 40 million people got COVID. A million people died. It, it does. I'm not changing the numbers of how many people died, but I'm painting the bigger picture. And that's what they never did. They kept pushing the death rate, but they weren't saying how many people, okay, a million people died. How many people contracted COVID? That million is representation of, I think it was like 2% of people dying. And that's what they started doing. They started, they started just telling us how many people died, how many people died, how many people died. They never put things in perspective to say yes it's dangerous yes you can die but you can survive and you know still go on they just wanted to push and push and push this vaccination and then like you said we're realizing y'all wasn't telling us the whole truth about this i understand your point but i do not agree with it, it being the last gram let's wrap it up but people died and that's the, let me finish mm -hmm. that's the most important thing you said your, your piece let me say mine that's the most important thing so I don't give a shit about you can survive. You might not. And some people, like myself, are not willing to take that chance with my loved one, whether it be my daughter, you, me, like uh, our sisters. Like, it's not it's not cool to be like, oh, a million people died out of 40 million, and that's okay. That's not okay. One person is too much. That's a family torn the fuck apart. So... Yeah, it could be you, it could be me. You could get sick and be okay. I could get sick and fucking die. So it happened good for you, but not not good for me. Or it could be vice versa. So a million people dying out of 40 million, it's too fucking many. It's too many, it's too much. People dying is the ultimate. They don't come back. It's, it's, it's a wrap. I agree. I was just... So you can't just say that in that a sense it. of look at the bigger picture. If 40 million people got it or 100 million people got it, a million people died. Like, no, that's what, a million fucking funerals. But what I was saying, what I was making the point, and maybe I didn't make my point, obviously I didn't make <laughs> my point, is that I agree with you. They were pushing the vaccination behind these death numbers without giving us the full picture. So people started thinking, oh my God, I gotta get vaccination. I understood what I you were saying, but I was saying the, the, the death numbers, I think, was why they was pushing that because that was the most important thing. People are dying. That's the most important I thing because I'll, I, I want to hear about who died. I don't, I don't, I care about a hundred people in the hospital, but if you want to tell me two people died, I want to hear about them and how they died and what can I do to prevent from dying. The people in the hospital might be okay. I got you. Act to the podcast, episode 53. That's a wrap.
Um, again, you can catch us on actuallypodcast.com. You can catch us on YouTube. You can catch us on Facebook. You can catch us on Spotify. You can catch us on um, Breaker. You can catch us on Anchor. You can catch us on Radio Public. You can catch us on Google Podcasts, Instagram. You can catch us all over any of those platforms. You can FaceTime us. <laughs> no, don't, don't FaceTime us. Don't. <laughs> Don't FaceTime us. Not unless you know FaceTime us before. If you never FaceTime us, then don't FaceTime us now. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a wrap. Act to the podcast, episode 53. If you fuck with us, you fuck with us. If you don't, you should. Peace.